Good morning and welcome to Coffee with Pastor here on WRNR. Our host, Rick Knight, pastor of Living Waters Family Worship Center, will give practical and biblical application to some of life's most challenging questions. So grab a coffee, sit back, and let's open the Word of God together. Since you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we see Paul addressing the Corinthian church. Now, what he's explaining here in this text that I'm about to read to you is that Christianity is not easy. Anybody have a difficult time living out the Christian life? It's, it's difficult, okay? You face hardship. It's hard being uh, a light in a dark world, amen? And Paul is kind of explaining this to the Corinthian church as we read in starting with the ninth verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, I sometimes think God has put us on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade. Anybody ever feel like that? Condemned to die. We have become a spectacle, which means an object of curiosity or contempt. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. I love verse 10. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. There's going to be times people think, man, you are crazy for believing what you believe. Isn't that true? In the New King James Version, it says, we are fools for Christ's sake. You claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We often have been beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash. Right up to the present moment. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father and paul is saying to them for i become your father in christ jesus when i preach the good news to you so i urge you to imitate me what kind of imitation is that that your dedication to christ may make you look like a fool sometimes the title of my message this morning is simply a fool for christ you know you have to admit no matter what you believe or no matter what your spiritual background is and you may not even have much of a spiritual background but we live today in what i call a spiritually pluralistic society in other words tolerance is one of the highest achievements that in our spiritually pluralistic society now someone says well i think we all should be tolerant you know at one time the only people that were tolerant in the world were christians because we had to deal with a lot of different things. But what happens is this. We find out the tolerance today is let's tolerate everything but Christianity. A lot of people that they name the name of Jesus, they're marked as a bigot or, or that you're marked as a Republican. Which, you know, it could even be worse. But what happens is this. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we're going to be marked as foolish people. So what happens is like some people look at the tolerance as far as all roads lead to God. Or some may say even, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Or all world religions are essentially the same anyway. And there are different beliefs about God, but the interesting thing to me is as soon as someone dies, that's when people become what we call sensitive to what I, I would title feel-good theology. It doesn't matter 
How you were raised, it doesn't matter what necessarily you believe. Somebody will see something like that, how they believe in God or feel good theology, and they'll say things like, well, at least they're not suffering anymore. Or, you know, they went off to a better place. Or even this, I love this one. It's, uh, God just needed another angel up in heaven. I call it the gospel according to country music. But anyway, it's probably no secret as I'm going to proclaim to you this morning, I proclaim every Sunday morning and Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every day of my life that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness from anybody else that is a follower this morning? Amen? What's really interesting to me is that the world today, you can talk about spiritual things. You can talk about it all day long and it's not controversial. Have you ever noticed that? You can talk about spiritual things all day long. You can say that there is a supreme being. You can say that there's a higher power. You can even name Him God. And you can even talk about spirituality. But there's no controversy whatsoever when it comes to that. But the time it becomes controversial is over one thing. And that's when you name the name of Jesus. And when you say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's almost no rational thinking person that was going to say there was no historical figure by the name of Jesus Christ. People accept that and generally, yes, someone named Jesus lived. We know that. We know it's historical. What's also interesting to me is that the people don't really dislike the teachings of Jesus. Many people will say that Jesus was a good teacher. They don't mind his teachings about how we treat the poor, how we should love one another, how we should forgive one another. They don't uh, debate the teaching of Jesus. They don't debate the existence of Jesus. But boy, I tell you what, people wig out when they talk about Jesus. And why is that? It's simply because of this. Jesus Christ made some exclusive claims in his life. Now, we live in a very inclusive world, okay? All beliefs should be treated equally. Nobody should be left out. All roads should lead to God And all world religions are basically the same. Everybody should receive a participation trophy. And we're not going to keep score because everybody's a winner. Isn't that how we live our life today? And Jesus diametrically opposed that mindset when he says that he is the only way. It's the exclusive claim of Jesus. Now when you read in John chapter 14, starting with verse 5, Thomas is asking Jesus, he said, where do we go? Where are you going and how can we know the way? Jesus responded in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, Thomas. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man can come unto the Father except through me. In this very inclusive world of religious pluralism, Jesus makes an exclusive claim that he is the only way. A lot of people still want to say all roads lead to God. All religions are the same. What I want to do today is just think for a moment and recognize that there may be some good things in a lot of different world religions. There may be a a lot of things that sound great in different world religions, but we have to acknowledge they're not anywhere close to being the same. Let's look at a quick overview. And this isn't to offend anybody. It's just I'm sharing the truth about uh, certain religions. First of all, when you look at Buddhism, Buddhism believes that there is no God, no type of final existence. A Buddhist is going to believe in countless rebirths, and eventually you hope to end the cycle. Uh, The first difference you're going to see between Hinduism and Christianity is Hinduism will recognize Christianity as a valid religion. 
Hinduism is a religion that advocates tolerance. It teaches that all religions are basically the same. They all lead to a specific goal. And all religions have different means to one end. Hinduism is not exclusive and accepts all religions as valid. A Hindu is going to believe in a god or gods, an impersonal god that is approached through deities, statues, or idols. Now, if you take these first two, Buddhism and Hinduism, they offer no forgiveness of sins, no supernatural help, only karma. What is karma? Karma is like when you're driving down a road and somebody cuts you off, then later on, they're going to be cut off because they cut you off earlier. But it goes much deeper than that. You can believe in karma, that karma is how you act in life, and then when you're reincarnated into another life, then establish what degree you are. Like, you may reign as a prince in the next life, or you may come back as a fly, just depending on how you acted in your life before. Now, when we get into looking at uh, Islam, Muslims are one who worship a personal god named Allah. A Muslim has no secondary gods. There is a total ban on idols, but your standing with God is based on your religious good works and your effort. They follow the teachings of the prophet Muhammad and they follow his writings, the Quran. In the new age, there is no type of God. Your goal is to be one with the cosmos or one with the universe. Or as some say, the greatest goal is to reach the state of nothingness. But Jesus' followers who believe, they believe in a personal God, a God who loves his people so much that he became like them in the person of Jesus, lived without sin, died for the sins of the world, and died on a cross, he rose again the third day, and people are made right with God, not by going through deities or idols or religious performances, they're made right with God by the grace and love of God reaching down through Jesus Christ and us accepting the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us. Amen? Amen. Now, if you were to walk down the aisle of religious, the religious buffet, you may look at some and say, boy, that makes sense. Well, that, that religion makes sense. That religion makes sense. But many people stop at Christianity and they'll say, that's complete, utter nonsense. That's how they look at Christianity sometimes. And as I mentioned, they label Christianity without even noticing the, the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ. Let me put it this way. I've heard it said by J. Oswald Smith, I believe, that once said this, the world has not rejected Jesus. They've rejected the church's representation of him. Mahatma Gandhi once said this, I would be a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians. We've got to be careful how we live our life. Christians, let me challenge you. Make sure that the love of Jesus Christ, that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God is emanating from your life, that we may show forth the love of God to a lost and dying world, that they may know life as well. Amen? But why is, when it comes to Christianity, why do people see it as utter nonsense? Why do people see it as, as foolishness? Well, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the very message that Paul preached to the Corinthian church was, the message of the cross is foolish. The message of the cross is foolish. To who? To those who are headed for destruction. It just doesn't make sense. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. Drop down to verse 20, it says, So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching. See, some people have told me before, Pastor, you look like a fool up there sometimes preaching. Well, it's because I'm in the Bible. He says he's used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. 
The Bible says it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek for human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. They're saying that today, that Christianity is all nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. God devised this plan, and as foolish as it looked, the plan worked because literally millions upon millions of people are giving their lives to Christ since the inception of the church. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved just in that day. And since 2,000 years from then, millions upon millions upon people have called upon, it's possibly billions of people, have called upon the name of the Lord and are saved. Now, can we acknowledge that although there may be good and positive things in many different religions, they're absolutely and completely not the same. Is that fair enough to say? And here's what I want you to do today, and it's very simple. This is the basis of the message right here. I want you to consider Jesus Christ. I want you to consider Jesus Christ with me. I don't want you to consider our church. I don't want you to consider our denomination. I don't even want you to consider other Christians. Because to be quite honest with you, sometimes extended family members are pretty screwy. Let me ask you something. Y'all have families, right? Anyone in your family is pretty screwy? Okay. Don't shout me down now. And don't point fingers. That's rude, okay? I'm not even asking you to consider me. I am not the perfect example of what a Christian should be. I would love to be that example, but I'm human and I fail. But what I want you to consider is the perfect one this morning. I want you to consider Jesus Christ this morning. And I want you to consider him through three different aspects. I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. Just consider who he came for, how he treated them, and the ministry of Jesus. Who he came for, how he treated them, the total ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this. Later, Levi, who is also known as Matthew, it says, later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors. Now, you, under, you have to understand, we're not talking about the IRS here. These tax collectors were, well, they were just bad people. They were considered by the Jewish people the scum of the earth. They were considered crooks and robbers, okay? Many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. See, tax collectors were disreputable sinners, but the, he had not only tax collectors, but also disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Can I get an amen? But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor only sick people do i have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners i love this part with all my heart because jesus didn't come for people that have it all together amen he came for people like me that needed love he came for people like me that needed his mercy he came for people like me that needed his grace amen jesus actually came for those that religion rejected Jesus loved those that everyone else despised. He welcomed those that people turned away. 
In the ministry of Jesus, you also have to consider the miracles of Jesus. Jesus opened blinded eyes. He opened deaf ears. He made the mute to speak. He made the lame to walk. He took a few loaves and fishes and fed thousands upon thousands of people. He even raised the dead back to life again. So what's so funny to me about the miracles of Jesus is that his detractors did not debate the validity of his miracles. They just wanted him to stop it. Isn't that funny? Someone works a miracle and, oh man, just stop that. You're messing me up here. You're freaking me out. How'd you get that person alive again? By what power is he doing this? No one said he didn't really raise the dead because they saw it. I want you to consider the miracles and ministry of Jesus. What's even crazier is many of you, along with millions of other followers, you have been touched and you've been blessed by the ministry of Jesus. Amen? Is that true? Jesus has reached out to you. You who were despised, you who were rejected, you who were without hope. Jesus Christ reached out to you and changed your life because of the ministry of Jesus. Secondly, I want to consider the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we're here every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning was the celebration of the resurrection. Today we just set aside one particular day to say, this is the resurrection day we want to celebrate. But why does the resurrection matter so much? Jesus was miraculously conceived according to Scripture. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a pure life. He was without sin. He went to the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose again the third day. He became sin for us on that cross. Even though He lived a perfect life, He became sin for us and He suffered horribly. While the creation was mocking the Creator as they spit on Him and they hurled insults at Him and beat Him beyond recognition and grabbed handfuls of beard and ripped it out of His face, Jesus looked up to heaven and cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. What kind of grace is that? What kind of love calls that out from the cross? And then afterwards, he gives out a victorious cry where he says, It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He bowed his head and he gave up his life. The moment he died, the Bible says the earth went dark, the earth began to tremble, and in the midst of that, a Roman soldier that was there at the cross where Jesus died, after witnessing what he witnessed upon the cross, he knelt down at the cross of Jesus Christ, and he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Just as Jesus had predicted, he said, I will give my life, and three days later, I will rise from the dead. Three days later, the women went to the tomb. They saw the stone was rolled away. They heard the angels speak. Behold, he is not here. He has risen. They went back and told the disciples. Peter and John went back and went into the tomb, checked it out, saw that it was empty. Peter, just a couple days before, denied him three times. They said, hey, you're one of his disciples. He says, no, it's not me. You're, you're one of the guys that were with him. He says, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Hey, weren't you hanging with Jesus? No, that wasn't me. Denied him three times, just as Jesus predicted. And here he was, transformed by the power of the resurrection, and later pastorally spoke to the religious leaders of that day in Acts chapter 3, verse 15. And he said this, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to that fact. There is a proof that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead because they witnessed the resurrection. Praise God. He said, this is the key. We 
are witnesses of this. That's why these men were willing to give their lives for Jesus, the Jesus that they were denying just a few days before, because they saw the power of the resurrection. That's the importance of the resurrection. What's so funny to me is some people try to say the Roman soldiers stole the body out of the grave. That's one theory. But actually, the Roman soldiers would want to produce a body from the grave to prove, hey guys, stop believing. He's still dead. Some people have the theory that the disciples stole the body. That's pretty interesting to me, knowing that these fishermen and tax collectors and, and some, you know, probably those from the agrarian society, those farmers, they somehow overthrew these killing machines known as Roman soldiers. They overthrew them, tied them up, stole the body, later let them loose. But you'd still have the testimony from the Roman soldiers saying, hey, we're, they blindsided us. They took us by surprise. You know, they tied us up and they stole the body. But they'd still have the testimony that that's what happened. And it would invalidate the very point that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. Do you really expect any rational person to believe that 11 average people, uneducated men, devised the greatest scheme in history, pulled it off, kept it a secret, all to their own personal cost of later dying for that lie? Do you truly believe that's actually what happened? They said, no, we're witnesses of this. We are witnesses of what happened. There was 11 disciples left. Judas Iscariot killed himself because he had betrayed the Christ. 11 disciples left. Out of those 11, 10 of them were martyred. That means they gave their life for their faith. Except for John the Beloved, that was a failed martyrdom where they tried to boil him in oil and he wouldn't boil. I would have loved to have been there to witness that. As they slip him into a tub of hot oil and he's like, oh yeah, that feels good. Instead, they pulled him out. They said, that's not working. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he testified of the last revelation of Jesus Christ at the end of the New Testament. One of my favorite ones is Thomas, though. Thomas was a very peculiar individual. He wasn't there with the original disciples as they saw the resurrected Jesus and they told him, man, we touched his hands, we touched his side. And I don't know why people give Thomas such a, a bad rap, but he's known as Doubting Thomas from this day on. Why? Because he says, I won't believe till I'm able to do what everybody else did. He said, I want to touch Jesus. I want to touch Jesus. I, 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 want, I want to see him. I want to see him. And Jesus is saying, well, see and touch and see that I am the one that I say I am. Today you're going to get what you need just like Thomas got what he needed. Some people just need a little bit more. Pastor Rick, I just need a little bit more convincing. I, I need just a little bit more to prove to me that Jesus is who he says he is. Sometimes it just takes faith. After Thomas the doubter had touched Jesus and realized that he had resurrected, he became an evangelist to India. And in the midst of India, he was making many conversions in India. And eventually, the people of that region that were of other religions said, we're getting tired of this guy because he's converting people from our religion. So they went to him and they said, Thomas, deny your faith or we'll let you, and we'll let you live. Or if you stem by Jesus, we're going to kill you. And these were the words of doubting Thomas. He said, I will never deny the faith of the one who died and rose again for me. I will stand by him for the rest of my life which didn't take too long because shortly after that, they impaled him with a spear because he believed in the power of the resurrection. 
They believed the tomb was empty. The early church, as I mentioned before, was born on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 believers. Since then, millions upon millions of believers have, have come forth. Hundreds of thousands of churches have been established because the tomb is empty. The resurrection is real. Consider Jesus. Consider His ministry. Even consider the resurrection. But last but not least, I want you to consider the eternal message of Jesus. The eternal message of Jesus. How are we made right with God? That's why Jesus came. He came to make us right with God. How are we able to do that? Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're made right with God. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Praise God. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say we're made right with God by being good enough. It doesn't say we're made right with God by just not being bad. It doesn't say we're right with God if we watch our, how we talk when we miss a shot on the golf course or if we're cut off in traffic. Okay, it doesn't say that. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for anyone who believes, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how bad your life is messed up right now. It doesn't matter how many people that you've hurt. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned. Jesus Christ loves you. You're not made right with God by you being good enough. You're made right with God because Jesus was perfect and He took the penalty of every one of our sins on the cross. It's a difference between religion and relationship. Jesus Christ did not come to establish a religion. He came to establish a relationship. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to show us the love of God. Religion is all about how you perform. Relationship is all about how Jesus performed. Religion says if you work hard enough, maybe God will love you. Relationship says because God loves you, I want to obey Him. Religion is all about what you do. Relationship tells you already it's all about what Jesus Christ did. Religion says do. Relationship says did. Because Jesus took care of all of it. In closing, I want to tell this story that I heard many years ago. And it starts off like every other story. Once upon a time. I love that story beginning. Once upon a time there was a king who loved his court and he loved his subjects. He loved his kingdom. But there's one person in particular that he loved and it was his court jester. Because his court jester, many of you know what a jester is, is someone that is like a clown. They juggle, they dance, they laugh. They do funny things to make their, their king laugh. And this court jester was the best at it. And the king, whenever he had problems, he'd call his court jester in and the court jester would make him laugh. And, and one day the king challenged him. He handed the court jester a, a golden wand and he says, I want you, my friend, to travel throughout the land and once you find somebody who is more of a fool than you are, I want you to hand them this golden wand. 
The court jester said, as you wish, my king. And he left, and he went throughout the highways and byways. He went throughout the valleys and the mountains, looking for someone more foolish than him. Well, the jester one day got word that the king had fallen sick, and he was called back to the castle. And as, or as the jester went back to the castle, he found the, the king in his bed, in his bedchamber. And he says, oh, my friend, he says, have, have you found someone more foolish than you? He says, no, O king. He said, I have not finished my journey. He said, well, let me tell you about my journey. My journey here on earth is about to end, speaking of his death. And the jester said this. The jester says, well, have you prepared for the end of your journey, sir? He says, what do you mean? He says, have you made things right with God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? He says, no, I have not. And the jester handed him the golden wand and said, I've found someone more foolish than I am. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, you're a fool for Christ. But someone more foolish than someone that follows Christ is someone that doesn't prepare for their life here on earth and their journey afterward. One thing we realize here at Coffee with Pastor is that we could not do what we do without our monthly sponsors. We are so glad to have the fine Christian people at Bears Repair sponsoring this month's show. This month, Bears Repair is offering 10% off of all break service. All you have to do is mention that you listen to Coffee with Pastor. You need to keep your vehicle in good working order, but car and truck repairs can be very costly. Bears Repair in Martinsburg performs all kinds of auto repairs at prices most often well below their competition. Bears Repair offers tune-ups, oil change and lubrication, small and large engine and transmission repair, wheel balancing, front end alignment, exhaust system replacement, air conditioning checks, auto inspections, and new tires. Stop by for a free estimate at Bears Repair, 904 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg, phone 262-0208, Bears Repair. Thank you for joining us for Coffee with Pastor. 